1: What would the dream scenario for the Ravens be when it comes to pending free agent wide receivers set to hit the market?
2: Well, we're going to run through various options, aren't we? Uh, including a big and reliable target by the name of Mike Evans, who when you start to look at the scene and some of the reports out there, he's looking prime to potentially leave Tampa Bay, Sarah, for what would be the first time since he was drafted there all the way back in 2014
1: yeah this will be a fun one i'm sarah ellison alongside bobby trossett it is thursday february 22nd and this is your morning ravens update from inside the vault presented by one of this month's business patreon title sponsors shiru Hashmi.
2: okay partners so the numbers for nelson aguilar's one year contract extension are out we're going to take a look at how the ravens fared with those figures and compare them to last year's deal with Nelly.
1: Plus, pending free agent Geno Stone, he spoke to the NFL Network about where he hopes to end up next season when all is said and done in free agency.
2: We've got all that more coming up, so thanks for waking up with The Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. You've teased it a couple times, Sarah, so I'm going to let you take it right off the top about this free agency idea. We're looking specifically at the wide receiver position to begin. And really, I think if, if there's a trend, right, it's sort of that that big body wide receiver that we've talked about a little bit as well. And so I'll kind of let you kick things off and, and I'll react from there.
1: Yeah, so obviously, in in my view, and I think in both your view, we'd still like to see one more stud wide receiver added to this receiving core. Now, if I'm being totally honest, I think that that kind of stud kind of guy would be more likely to come to the draft um, based off of what I'm, I've been looking at with free agency. But um, we're, we'll take a look at draft prospects probably in the next week or so with the combine coming. So we're going to like focus this specifically on the wide receiver free agency market. Now, two, two things to kind of get out of the way. Um, there are some dream scenarios, especially for those, for some of those listening that would include, uh, Bernie knight right. That who seems to be, uh, not totally happy in San Francisco, had almost 1400 yards, was an absolute stud. His fifth year, uh, um, option was exercised by the team. Um, but I I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen there. Not exactly a free agent. So I did not include him. Mike, Mike Williams over the chargers. He's somebody that, um, in fact, he probably will be cut. I would actually predict that he will be cut. Um, I don't have him on my list, though, as much as we would love a big wide receiver just because of his injury history. I do not need, and we just went through this. I mean, he, people were kind of unhappy with Odell, and he ended up playing for a decent amount of time, right? Wasn't available the whole season. But uh, if the Ravens got a big deal, a, a nice deal with Mike Williams, then I'd be, I'd be cool with that. But until I see those types of numbers uh, and, and until he gets cut, I didn't go there. So for me, and I think you agree, the dream scenario wide receiver in free agency would be Tampa Bay's Mike Evans. Um, I don't have, I did not pick um, T. Higgins, who by many places have ranked him as the number one wide receiver that will hit free agency. And I also didn't pick Michael Pittman Jr., because I believe both those guys are going to get the franchise tag from their current organizations. So, uh, they're younger. Uh, they have more, you know, because they're younger, they've got more time where they could probably put up numbers for a long amount of time, but I just don't see them. So this dream scenario, if we're really dreaming, then it would be like any of these guys that I've already named, but it's a dream scenario among the people who I think are going to be available. So I picked Mike Evans personally because I love him as a, big, um, as a big target. He's a guy who can go up and get that ball. He's had 10 straight seasons. I want somebody reliable. 10 straight seasons with 1,000-plus yards. Uh, that's, that's pretty nice. Now, he is going to be 30. Now, in the past I've always felt like, okay, well those 30-year-olds are the type of people that the Ravens would target. Now, here's the big dis- downside, Bobby, and it's probably one reason why my dream scenario will not come to pass. Uh that's why I'm keeping it in a dream kind of category even though he's going to be available. And by the way, one reason why I think he's going to be available, he had void years on his contract too, and the team did not extend him before those that all that money that dead money hit. So just like Kevin Zeitler like or Gus Edwards sure the Ravens could still sign them But it seems like if they really were going to do it They would have done it before they hit let that dead money hit the cap The same scenario is happening with Mike Evans. So that's why I think he really will be out there So I went ahead and I went over to pff who I think Projects market value better than i've seen spot track do Not that any of them are perfect but to them over at PFF, they still see Mike Evans, even at 23, given all this production, as a guy that would be paid $23 million per year. <laughs> so <laughs> you just, your laugh right there kind of says it all that that's why it's still a dream scenario for me. Because as much as I still want to see the Ravens go out and get the stud guy, and then they went out and paid a little bit extra for Odell Beckham Jr at $15 million guaranteed, 18 total. And I don't know where he fell in between those. I know he did hit some incentives. Um, you know, that was like an unusual thing that the Ravens did. Will they be unusual again? Maybe, but I have my doubts because it's not like they're trying to sign Lamar again and then trying to, you know, convince him to come back. So, so to me, that's why I put him in the dream scenario. But man, would I love a Mike Evans with Zay Flowers, with Rashad Bateman, with Nelly and then you still got your tight end core. That would be a complete dream, but I give it maybe like a what 5% chance of happening.
2: Right, feels Something lofty, like feels yeah. a little unrealistic, but that's why it falls in in the category of of dreamy. So right. like you know, when I look at the core, the wide receiver core, it just kind of screams at me like one do you have a number two, like a true number two wide receiver on your roster? Obviously we all hope that Bateman can evolve into being such, but at this point, there's there's a lot left to be desired. Encouraging end of the season. Let's let's make sure we we mention that. But who can be like a, a true number two? So that's why it's like You hear this Mike Evans conversation and you stop yourself and you're like, wow, that would be a heck of a dream. And then maybe you allow yourself to get like discouraged by how just how lofty it is. Mm -hmm. But then you come back and be like, wait, wait, they don't necessarily need him. And and in a lot of ways, they don't need very much. (laughs) Like, right. Think about what they were so close to achieving this year without a true big body wide receiver. So, anyway, I just think it's important to keep that in mind and moving forward. You can retool through the draft, like you mentioned earlier on. Maybe that is the most realistic way to 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 go and get that number guy who 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 can compete with a Rashad Bateman, who can kind of bring out some competition within that room. So, uh, again, in the spirit See, of this exercise, let's let's continue.
1: Well, yeah, I just want to say that, like, if you were ranking needs, right? I don't know how high up wide receiver be to to kind of get to your point. Um, and it sure sounds like the Ravens feel comfortable going with Zay and Rashad as your top two and then Nelly so far as your top three. And right now Rashad, it would be your ex wide receiver, right? And so it's not to me, it's not necessarily like there's a massive hole. To me, it's more like in the spirit of what we spoke about with Steve Young of like keep giving Lamar his weapons. This yep. team goes as Lamar goes. So not only build a wall around him, but get him stud wide receivers. And so to me, as much as I still believe in Rashad Bateman, I don't want to put all the eggs in that basket. So I want to bring in somebody that's going to legitimately push him to prove he deserves the snaps that we're all saying he hit is one of the reasons why he hasn't gotten the ball. We're, we got a section with Rashad coming up. We got some numbers on, on on that kind of stuff. So to me, I'm looking for somebody that like can compete with Rashad Bateman for that number two and those stats because I want him to get those, but I want him to earn it. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you didn't get a chance because OBJ was here or because Nellie got him or somebody else got those targets. I want it to be like, you got into training camp. Or you went down to Florida and you balled out and that's why you're going to get them. That's, that's to me what I want to see. So to me, while it might not be a Mike Evans, there are some other second-tier wide receivers that could possibly do that, but it would still cost you know a decent amount. And that's where I think we're going to go with some of our second-tier picks.
2: Okay. Yeah. The The first one on that list is... Gabe Davis, Buffalo Bills wide receiver. Uh, your your typical vertical threat out wide, averaging more than fifteen yards per reception in every season of his career, and coming down with a fair amount of contested catches with good high pointing skills. However, Davis doesn't have the fastest release off the line and doesn't snap off in breakers with the sharpness to create separation over the middle. Again, this comes courtesy of PFFs measurements. Uh, he'll help stretch the field outside the numbers for an acquiring team and can have some huge outings on occasion, but he can also be absent from the box score at times. The projected contract value over one year, Sarah, is $12 million on average per year. Way wow. out of the price range, especially for a guy who isn't going to come. I mean, there there's a knock there, uh, first of all, at the end there in terms of their analysis and given where he is at his career. I mean That's, that's probably a little bit uh, unrealistic Why, outside this, of the dreams, you know, aside from the dream scenario, oh, that's right. just unrealistic based on the, the amount of production that you're projected to receive.
1: So this is your pick. Uh, this was, this was not my pick. Just We both had Mike Evans, right. As our, as our dream scenario. Why did you pick Gabe Davis?
2: Oh, this was more so just let's get a name out there. That's somewhat of a big one that I've been hearing within the free agency talks and, and podcasts right. and, and all the content that I've been consuming. So this was me just being like, okay, this this guy's like a second tier player, definitely below Mike Evans, but definitely going to command some sort of presence in free agency. So let's make sure we get him in here so that folks know the figures, because uh, yeah. you know he's an AFC wide receiver. The Ravens don't always play the Bills, but there's some familiarity there, and and he has had some success with Josh Allen. So I just wanted to because he's a familiar name of a, of a contending team
1: mm-hmm. in the
2: AFC. I, I thought it'd be beneficial to have in there.
1: Okay. Okay. For me, $12 million, too much for a second-tier guy. It's, it's too too much. Now, this next one, this one was my, my pick. It also might be too much, but it puts it a little bit more. I, I have Tyler Boyd, um, assuming he does make it to the market, because if they franchise tag um, T. Higgins, which is my prediction, then they still have um, Chase, then to me it seems like Tyler would be the odd man out. Uh, he's spoiled things here in Baltimore before. Oh yeah. Um, now they PFF has a projection for uh, eight point seven five million average, so that one is a little bit more uh, palatable. Um, and now he's been number three over in Cincinnati for quite some time, given the big names that they have. I mean, just a just an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver over there. It's it's honestly unreal. So what I like about him is I think he could push. He, you kind of, you kind of, he could push Bateman a little bit. He'd also push Nelly a little bit. And it's like, if, if one of those three were to get injured, you still feel good about this veteran wide receiver that can, can produce and can put up numbers and knows what he's doing. And so to me, this would be like my kind of like more middle tier kind of guy, not as, not as dreamy, um, would the Ravens spend that much? Honestly, I don't know. Again, I don't like if this, if it were pre 2023 Ravens, I'd be like, man, I don't even know if they'd get him, you know? So, um, but, but I do like the, yeah, I do. I, I I like that. I like that in case somebody gets hurt or, um, you push somebody a little bit, you don't just automatically hand them, you know, snaps in Rashad Bateman that you've got Nelly and you got Tyler there. And then, I I feel I would feel I would feel pretty good. he's not like the stud wide receiver we're talking about, but I would feel pretty good about that wide receiver core.
2: It'd be absolutely hilarious if he ends up in Baltimore doing yeah. some of his antics over the years with the Ravens and whatnot and the trash talk and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So we'll have to see. And yeah, I'm spoiler alert, not sure anybody really qualifies on this list outside of Mike Evans as a dreamer, right? Like right. No,
1: we're and, out of the dream scenario. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Like
2: there's to me on this list, and again, we're this list is massive. The, the, like the 2024 free agent wide receiver list is massive. We're just kind of picking and choosing here a few big names or at least notable names that are out there uh, for the, the purpose of this exercise. One of which is a familiar name okay. in Marquise Hollywood Brown projected contract over one year, 12 million on average. The Ravens of course traded Marquise and a third round pick to the Cardinals back in 2022, for the first round pick that they ended up acquiring Tyler Linderbaum with. And we know that since going to Arizona, it has, hasn't exactly worked out well for him between his own injuries. Kyler Murray's torn ACL. Uh, th- those guys weren't able to do very much together. Uh, he's 5'9", 180 pounds. Uh, I I always felt like he played that that way. You know, Zay doesn't play that way. I know he's, he weighs more than that, but he's listed at around, I think, 5'9", if I'm not mistaken. To me, their games, it's night and day. Zay will run through you. Marquise wants to run around you. Um, to me, I don't have any interest in a reuniting. Maybe Lamar would, but to me, Zay is that guy. And they went out and got him a, a couple years later. And so far through one year, did a lot that, that unfortunately for Marquise, uh, he was never able to do during his his couple years in town. So uh, that's that's my thought with this. But Again, he's out there, and we'll see if he if he ends up outside of Arizona.
1: Yeah, I, I pulled him because a lot of people have asked about Marquise. Just obviously with the familiarity, he never really and again Arizona's been through. They're not like this winning team. Their quarterback situation with injuries been rough, but he's coming off a season. Uh, he played 14 games, 51 catches, 574 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, quite frankly, that's close to like Nelly's numbers. And Nelly Nelly was just re-signed for 3.75 million and PFF is projecting, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, at what do we got here? 12 million.
2: 12,
1: yeah. yeah. 12. So, yeah. So here's my thing. Uh, here's this is how I honestly feel. It is, I, I think Marquise Brown is better than the production he's just put up the last two years in Arizona. I think he's been in a tough situation for sure. A situation that he has to go to, but it's been a tough situation. And so do I think that he can put up big numbers going forward? Uh, he said, I, I, I bet he could be around a thousand yard receiver given the, the correct situation. But my feeling is that, and Bobby, I haven't been single for many, many years. I think, uh, you know, been married for 17 years, you know, almost 20 years since I've been, um, single. If a guy broke up with me, I'm not going back to him and saying, Hey, can we get back together? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. You, you like, no He requested feeling. the trade. <laughs> right, exactly. So if a guy broke up with me, I'm coming back. Now, if that same guy came back to me and said, I made a mistake, here's what I'm going to change, this and that, then maybe, maybe I would listen. But it would have to be a tall order because you broke up with me, right? No hard feelings, but what are we doing here? So to me... He broke He didn't want to be here. So to me, it's the same thing. Like I'm not going back to the guy that broke up with me. I'm not going back to the guy that asked for a trade to leave Baltimore.
2: That and you have Zay. <laughs> like, you have right. Zay. Zay Flowers. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. is on this list, of course. Projected contract value according to PFF standards. One year at $10 million on average that they wrote uh, uh, to, uh, on top of this that OBJ progressively looked more and more like his old self as 2023 wore on. His 90 flat receiving grade from weeks 9 through 14 trailed only Tyreek Hill among wide receivers. So he did find his stride at times. But obviously, there's a lot of folks within the fan base, Sarah, that have been looking at the stats. They're underwhelming, to say the very least, given the contract value that the Ravens brought him in on. We know that that had. there were more levels to bringing him in, other than just the pay and what they expected from him on the field. But uh, this this is going to be really really intriguing to see this play out because I really wonder how much interest he's going to garner from teams like from teams from teams in general outside outside of Baltimore. And I really do wonder if they feel like he show they showed him he showed them enough. Uh, throughout this season to feel good about bringing him back in in sort of a what we know is going to be you know a secondary type of role
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: Yeah, I think he'll get a decent amount of of uh interest. Um, I could see him getting 10 million again like if he wanted to go to the Jets, right? And he talked about wanting to be with Aaron Rodgers and I don't know, there's teams that can there's teams that have money, so I could see him getting there and like like they said here, uh he looked more like his old self as as the year wore on. Um it's funny cuz I was looking at over the cap Uh, And they're probably the best at all this than anybody. So they have an over-the-cap valuation, basically saying what the production was worth in 2023. And I'm with you. We talked about this many times that the signing had so much to do with Lamar at the time. Uh, But their valuation of based off of his production, Ooh. was just under $4 million.
2: <laughs> oh, man. So, like, what is it, a $9 million overpay, then? Is that what you're it, saying?
1: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which, which, you know, we, we've tried our best to provide the context on that, right? Yeah. It feels like it's, gosh, that's, we're a broken record when it comes to that. But I don't know. I, I really need to think about this more, whether or not I would want him back, to be honest with you. Because he really was... He he provided a lot. He provided a lot let, to Lamar. Let me ask
1: he, you this. Let me let me put put it to you this way. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, which I put in here, which yeah. I said was about eight point seven five million. Right. They've got yeah. Odell at ten million. I mean, depending. I mean, who knows? I mean, it all comes down to like what a team is actually able to offer. Yeah. But say like you could get both at the same price.
2: Right. I'm taking Tyler
1: Boyd. Bo- you're taking Boyd over OBJ.
2: Yeah, I'm taking Boyd. Uh, then, of course, of course, the big picture conversation around that is like locker room stuff. Mm-hmm. Like OBJ, we know, and I was wrong on this this time last year or almost, you know, whatever, last April, whenever, Easter Sunday when it came down. Yeah. I just didn't, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a good fit, not necessarily in the locker room, but in the like the market, the lifestyle, things of that nature. Well, he, he proved me wrong and he was actually... Quite the veteran, state like stabilized that wide receiver group, and, and seemingly was beloved all throughout that that locker room. We all watched what happened during on the sidelines of the AFC title game, and the way he mentored Zay, and and and, and uh, the support and comfort he gave Lamar. But but how much is that actually worth in the big picture? I'm not sure. You know, you you want to put a, a ten million dollar type of figure on that? If assuming assuming that because because while this is encouraging. That he was kind of rounding into form weeks nine through fourteen. He he did trail off, and then prior to that, it took him a while to get going. I I can't sit here and confidently tell you, or tell our audience, that I think next year is going to be night and day. And so, if which would which would then push me to to do Boyd over OBJ solely based on the likelihood.
1: Right. Well, and, and yeah. So, just looking at Tyler Boyd, he's been pretty available over his entire career. Um, maybe minus 2017, but he's been pretty available. And then uh, the same valuation that that over the cap does, they gave uh, Tyler Boyd a 7.1 valuation for his 2023 production. So, okay. there's that. So one one last thing I just kind of threw in here, which was total back end, because again, I, I put this in here because I still feel like the best way to get another stud wide receiver is the draft. And I also kind of want to see them because this, this draft is so full of the big wide receivers we're talking about. Like last year's draft was more of like the smaller wide receivers like Zay.
2: Um,
1: um, and the fact that I I just don't think they're going to exercise Rashad Bateman's fifth year option. I just don't think that's going to happen. May one
2: deadline, right?
1: Yeah. May one. And, um, It's just it's it's just too hard to do it right now, based off of what he's done, and and you know what, part of it could be, or part of it for sure is injuries, and you know just and those injuries affect chemistry, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But it would be hard to to put what is it? I think it's like around thirteen million is what he would cost if you put the fifth fifth year option. And I just don't know that you can say May one, yeah, Rashad's going to be worth thirteen million come twenty twenty five. You know. And crazy. if, and if he does end up like, if he does end up like popping off, then like try to get something done in the middle of the season. You know what I mean? Right. Like, go ahead and try right. to do that. Yeah.
2: Like, so look at, look at PQ PQ goes into his, goes into the year. Well, gets his fifth year option declined for other reasons because mm-hmm. of what they had in the linebacker room, but then he goes and balls out prices his way, probably out of Baltimore. I'm not saying Rashad will do that, but at right. least give him a chance to prove himself, right? Like, right. don't just give him what, what in all with all due respect he hasn't earned that 5th year option like that's just the reality of it so far through through these few yeah. years and unfortunately for him some of that's been a lack of availability i hate i hate right. it for him but
1: right so that's why i'm kind of like let's get another stud this draft and then that way you have several guys this year that you're giving Lamar options to and you're building for the future, because that's really how I think Eric Takasa is going to keep doing it. Like he's just shown that he wants to build wide receiver through the draft and he's, sh- he's shown with Zay uh, that he's been able to hit and maybe Rashad will still hit in this fifth, fifth year or, or his fourth year, excuse me. Yep. So anyway, if they do end up going big time with a big time guy in the draft and then don't hit up a second guy later on, I kind of liked Noah Brown over for the Houston uh, Texans. And what I liked about him is they explain here in the PFF, I won't read the whole thing, but just that he was really good with CJ Stroud on the scramble drills. And I feel like that's a staple with Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. that you just got to be able to like understand where the soft spots are when it's outside of a structured um, play when it's like, it's what Todd Munkin always says. Like this, like Lamar Jackson is like a two play, two play quarterback for every play, and so I thought Noah Brown showed a penchant for that. He's the type of guy you could get as they're projecting here for about three point five million per year, and so it's like you put him kind of in that that number three, number four situation with Nelly, and uh, and see if he can create some some uh, chemistry with Lamar. So, cool.
2: yeah, you know, we were talking about Rashad Bateman, which is a good segue to shout out Jonas Schaefer of the Baltimore Banner, which we'll often do on here for one of his recent deep dives. He looked at every single route, every single target, every single play essentially of Rashad Bateman's where he was directly involved or, or you know tried to be directly involved with with these plays with Lamar. And we know that from a vertical downfield threat standpoint, there just was such there was such a lack of continuity between Lamar and Rashad in that category that Ah, uh, Jonas wanted to dive into it a little bit more. So here's um, some numbers for you on the right hand side for our YouTube audience. It's the first read and designed target rate uh, for receivers of the Ravens, and I'll read one of Jonas a snippet from Jonas's piece here. and let me just make sure this is full screen for the folks who have the eye, reading glasses. Maybe. let's go full screen this way. So Jackson targeted Bateman fourteen times on passes of at least twenty air yards. Okay, well hold two. on,
1: hold, hold on. Let's yeah. let's separate this out. Just so we okay. So the article he gives five reasons why, even though he's got tons of separation, he doesn't have the production with it. Okay. So what I've pulled here is two of the five reasons because the other ones we've talked about that he gets, and they weren't even all reasons. Like they were just kind of observations about it. So the pull po- the two that I pulled were reasons for it. So what you're about to read is one reason why they didn't connect a lot was their downfield connection. Okay. That's on the left. And on the right is more about how often he was targeted. So both these affected his production, um, according to Jonah Schaefer. So you were about to read, how they were both Lamar and Rashad. I mean, it's not one person or the other. They just were bad on the downfield connections.
2: Yep. Yep. So here's what he came up with. in, in reason number one, uh, Jackson targeted Bateman 14 times on passes of at least 20 air yards. Only two ended with a catch of a 14.2% completion rate that would have ranked fourth worst league wide among all qualifying receivers. Bateman was not without blame in a week five loss to the Steelers He was in good position for a contested catch opportunity down the left sideline, but could not bring it in. Jackson's deep ball um, could not bring in Jackson's deep ball. Excuse me. In a week 14 went over the Rams. He appeared to give up on his vertical route, despite having a step on his, uh, on his defender on a couple of, of the two DBs there from LA. We all remember that route, by the way, that was talked about a lot that week. The more persistent issue is Jackson's inaccuracy. According to PFF, his downfield throws to Bateman were considered off-target 57.1% of the time. Only five qualifying receivers had a worse rate. Fellow Ra- fellow Raven, OBJ, was one of them. Deep passes that Beckham tried to catch from Jackson were offline 60% of the time, tied for second-worst among all receivers behind only the Falcons' Van Jefferson. So Anyway, the first read and design target rate right there on the right-hand side, Zay led the way at 28%. Mark Andrews was twenty one six, OBJ seventeen seven, Bateman thirteen four, and Nelson was nine flat. But that's to go back to that paragraph right there. It takes two to tango, and maybe that wasn't talked about enough in Raven circles this year. It wasn't just Bateman's fault, you know. Well,
1: it's 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 chemistry. That's what it is. It's chemistry, and um, as he, as he pointed out here, that the the off target was on deep passes was also there from from Lamar to to Odell Beckham Jr. So uh it's it's both but um it did feel like Lamar was always throwing a little bit long which if you're going to like if you're going to be off target on these deep passes you want to be long so there's less interceptions yeah. and so it's just like it just uh, trusting a little bit more bringing it a little bit more and throwing where they could be so it's definitely but that's big I, to me that's like um it's definitely the next step in the offense because and and how many times before did people say prior to 2023 oh lamar likes the little middle of the field he likes the middle of the field he can't he can't hit on the outside of the numbers well here comes 2023 and he was great outside yep. the numbers right and so now the next step is deep ball the deep ball that's where we've got to connect and so that's that's huge and and as he said it was one of the weakest connections in the entire NFL. And then the other thing we've talked about a million times, but now we've just got the, the number that he was not the first target. Uh, oftentimes not the second. And sometimes he'd be on weak side. And when you're a right-handed quarterback, you're looking strong side. You've got three reads over there. It's you're going to go through all three of those before you flip the, the side of the field and look over on the other side. So um, to, to get 13.4%, he was not the main guy that they were targeting for the vast majority of the season.
2: Would love to see those two down in South Florida. I think Rashad's yeah. foot injury that he was kind of nursing towards the tail end of last offseason maybe prevented him from going down there with, with some of the other guys like Zay and Nelly. So well, Zay
1: and Nelly are from from down there. That so, helps Omar's from down there. So Rashad's just gotta get down there.
2: That helps, right? Those yeah. guys are all right around the corner from one another. But yeah. uh but yeah, that'll that'll be something to to watch this offseason as well. And Nelly's contract figures are out. You compared this year's 2024 to 2023, and there are some similarities here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so 2023, it was a one-year deal for $3.25 million. Th- caught 35 catches, 381 yards, four touchdowns. So he got a $500,000 range, which, which <laughs> is probably just the cost of inflation, right? <laughs> yeah. at, at this rate. Uh, so 2024, he got a one-year deal for $3.75 So it's like, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and here's he's probably another guy. By the way, those thirty five catches were from forty five targets. Like it was a nice rate. That was For that's him, a nice man. catch rate. Yeah, that's Some of really those were nice.
2: big. Some of those and were they big were catches. it was
1: always it did Bobby. It always there were so many times it wasn't just that he caught those. It was that that it was like in. Like you said, big moments. He would get you know, plenty of yards on it. A fourth a dry, down, yes. at
2: least. I can remember a fourth down the later half of the season. Um, short yardage situations, right? Nothing that blows you out of the water, like, right. like, like you're kind of suggesting. But but those those were important yards. <laughs> do, do, yeah, not, and it's, do not scoff at them. You, you know? don't
1: scoff at them, number one. And here we're talking about, we've talked for a couple weeks now, how Bateman will benefit from a greater target share. Well, that's the same that can be said for Nelly. And by the way, I, I didn't bring the numbers. I should have because I didn't know we were going to go down this route. But Rashad Bateman, maybe I should just look it up. His targets versus catches is way worse. I bet. Like it's, and, and 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 it was way better, by the way, in 2022. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. But um, Rashad Bateman, oh, here we go. I bet. Um, so, so anyway, talk about that's why i say like they'll both benefit from a a greater target share but i want it to be earned you don't just get it because you get it you know just because you're here so rashad bateman was targeted 56 times caught at 32 so so nelly had more catches with less targets
2: guy was reliable he was reliable reliable. and to me to me with all due respect to the Willie Sneeds of the world, the Sammy Watkins, these other guys that have served that role that Nelly did this year throughout the Lamar era, I'm taking Nelly over everybody. Definitely taking him over Des Bryant respectfully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got I always I hate to do Des like that, but he's man. I I isn't that crazy to think back to the 2020 season? They brought in Des Bryant. So it they was, were that desperate. They brought in Des Bryant. <laughs>
1: Well, this mean, is one of been, the
2: all-time greats. I'm as talking. As I going to say, if it was Dez a few Bryan. years
1: earlier, that would have <laughs> yeah. been awesome. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Oh man. Some All right. Couple players. Yes. Yeah, yep.
1: Couple of quick hits. I think we both listened to this because I saw you on on Twitter, but I listened to Daniel Jeremiah on on uh, Move the Sticks, and they went through an exercise that he goes through, and and it might actually not be bad. Maybe tomorrow we'll pull out the audio to kind of put this in perspective and in, in what this means, but. Uh, he and uh, Zerline talked about the blue chip players that the Ravens have. They're going through every team and they're doing AFC North right now. And they were talking about how they like, it's abnormal to have this many blue chip players. Like they were like, it's a lot, right? So there's six who they named was Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Tyler Linderbaum, Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith and Justin Matabike. I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, yeah. And then they have three potential blue chips. So they put them in the green category, I believe mm-hmm. Zay Flowers, Keaton Mitchell, and Isaiah Likely. So it's a lot there. And their whole point was like, Ravens are going to be right back in the same position as long as they have the health in terms of competing for a championship. Like they were just like raving about how this was like a championship caliber roster. And we haven't even gotten into free agency or the draft.
2: I guess they're doing kickers dirty, huh? Justin should be a blue chipper. Come on now.
1: yeah yeah
2: come on now (laughs) he's good for how many wins a year right i
1: guess if you're gonna put a center in there can you put a kicker in there yeah
2: come on the guy's good for at least two two to three wins a year on his own on his own leg but yeah no uh dan jeremiah's i've actually really been i'm I'm excited to kind of dive into our other episode and we start looking at uh draft prospect wide receivers because um there's a few out there. I, obviously, the the uh, Keon Coleman's have been really popular. But today, I did a deep dive into Texas wide receiver Ad Mitchell, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of intrigued by what he's about. And he fits that category of what we're looking for. What you and I are looking for at least at the at the wide receiver position. So all that's still forthcoming.
1: All right. So last quick hit here. Jonathan Jones reported that the Ravens are hiring Dennis Johnson as their defensive line coach. Um, which uh, fills a huge name. Well, as he says, Johnson was uh, most recently the defensive line coach at Baylor University, big role filled for the Ravens. That takes the spot of – how can I forget his name right now, Bobby? Defensive line coach, assistant head coach.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Anthony Weaver.
1: Anthony Weaver. There we go. Anthony Weaver. So uh, I don't know anything about Dennis Johnson, but I'm sure we're going to find out.
2: Yeah, we'll dig in. We'll dig in and – they, all, they have other hires to make, too, just so you know, from an assistant standpoint. Well, I know you know, but just so yeah. our, our audience knows. Assistant offensive line, and, and I know we mentioned this in uh, Wednesday's Morning Vault, but just in case you missed it. Assistant offensive line and assistant wide receivers coach uh, to replace Mike Devlin and Keith Williams, respectively. So they are hard <laughs> at work, and uh, I'm sure we will continue to be as well as we work our way towards the NFL combine, free agency, and the NFL Draft, which is almost two months away, which is very exciting. We, we have a lot of coverage plans that we're still kind of trying to iron out. Looking forward to having all those conversations. And as always, we do want to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons who are supporting us here inside the channel this offseason through Patreon. So shout out Mark Pankhurst and James Wiley. Thank you both for believing in what we're building. If you guys, if you out there uh, outside of Patreon enjoyed this, Please like this video and also subscribe to the vault, both here on YouTube and across all audio only podcasting platforms. So, all right, you and I, one more, one more vault this week.
1: It's already Thursday. <laughs>
2: it's what a four-day weekend
1: will do for you. Like the week flies by.
2: Yep. <laughs> things, things need to, uh,
1: the kids anyway,
2: everybody. Yeah, exactly. Not for us. Not for us. <laughs> um, anything but for us. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Please be on the lookout for, you know, franchise tag news because we're in the middle of that two week window. So that's something to be on the lookout for. And then what, the eleventh or the thirteenth of March, I think the new league year begins, right around the thirteenth. So eleventh. Yeah, so. The
1: legal legal tampering, I believe is the eleventh.
2: Yes, yes. So that's you know, three weeks away. So anyway, all right guys. Appreciate you for dropping by. Special thanks to Sharu Hashmi for being our small business patreon title sponsor in this episode go check us out in that platform and all that information can be found in the show notes below